you. Amen. Check this out, guys. Um, I just want to go ahead and share a word that God's put in my heart as it's an introduction to what we're going to be doing here for the next few weeks. And before we do that, I just want to welcome anyone here that's visiting maybe. Um, we just want to welcome you if there's any. I'm looking around. Is there anyone visiting us? Visiting us? Visiting? Amen. Monique's with us from Gainesville. Praise God. But she's not a true visitor in a sense. She's part of our family. So, <laughs> But um, I want to share, since we're all here from the house somewhat, I've been here before, um, our series that we're going to start doing is called The Comeback. Um, I don't think we have the logo up, but the comeback, and, and, and I'm going to be talking about different things throughout the weeks, and then on Easter, I want to obviously end it with the greatest comeback of all time, and I think we all know the answer to that, do we? All right? So today, what I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and introduce the comeback. This is part one of probably five sermons that I'm going to preach, and um, today's message, if you're taking notes, which you should be, um, it's titled this. Come back to come back. And you might have said that it makes no sense. It does. Come back, two different words, to come back, one word. Amen? And that is, um, that is the title, and you'll see why I titled that today's message as we introduce our series. Today is more of an introduction. Next week is, gets more in-depth, and as the weeks go, we'll touch up on certain subjects on coming back. But I started to think about a comeback, and... I know you're going to be blessed today if there's a fighter in you. How many of you have a fighter in you? Amen. There's just that fighting spirit. I'm not saying that you want to fight someone. That's not what I mean. I mean, there's just a fighter in you. You just, you just, you work hard. You, you fight hard. You have drive. I mean, there's times you get tired, but there's something in you that just never wants to give up. Anyone in here has that fighter in you? You're going to really enjoy this series, and you're going to really enjoy this uh, because I think God's going to strengthen some of you. Maybe some of you... We're once there and you've kind of lost focus in that area and like, I really wish I could get that fight back in me. Well, this is a perfect series for you to get that fight. You've been like lukewarm, just kind of been carnal in your way. You've just been kind of stale. Um, on, on, uh, I, I want to say Wednesday, I was eating lunch in my room and I grabbed a, um, I, I grabbed a, um, a chip. Uh, one of the, I love salt and vinegar chips. Any salt and vinegar lovers here? Well, I grabbed the salt and vin- vinegar. That's from Jesus, ain't it? All right. But... Um, Smile. And um, you guys are, uh, I grab a, a chip and I stuck, I was so, oh my gosh, I was so excited about sticking the salt and vinegar chip in my mouth. So I grabbed the salt and vinegar chip and I stick it in my mouth and I bite into that bad boy. And as I bite into it, I just went, I went, oh, it didn't even crunch. And um, it was just stale. Um, it was just nasty. And I just, I just spit it out. I got the chips, threw it away. I said, this is horrible. Um, it gave me uh, it gave me this false illusion. You know, I thought I was going to receive something, and I didn't receive jack, man. Just a stale uh, piece of chip. And um, hopefully, if you feel like that chip today, like that salt and vinegar chip, that you just want taste back, you just want your cr- how many of you want your crunch back? Hey, this is the series for you. I pray that you get your, your taste back and your cr- you know I thought someone would open up a, a, a message like that, huh? That you get your taste and your crunch back, and, and I truly believe that God is going to do that in the next few weeks. How many of you are can say amen. I'm going to be here to hear what God's going to tell me through this series. Amen. All right, help me preach here. Here we go. Let's jump into the message. A comeback. When you think about a comeback, a comeback has to do with returning to a position that was once held, obviously. I'm going to give you the exact definition of what comeback means. I looked it up in the dictionary, and I said, why not, instead of trying to explain it, just read what it means. It'll be easier for me and for you. And this is what a comeback is. A comeback is this, a return to a former higher rank or 
former higher popularity, position, prosperity, etc. A return to a former position. I love that. And, and if you think about the word comeback as we kick off this series, at least I do, I don't know about you, but, but the majority of individuals like a good comeback story. The majority of people do. If you watch a movie, you like a good comeback story. If you're watching sports, you like a good comeback story or a good comeback team or a good comeback um, athlete. I mean, at least I do. I always root for the comeback kid. There's always that one person that gets that title in every sport, that comeback team, okay? It's more exciting that way, at least for me, when there's a comeback coming. You're more emotionally led to, to cheer for the one who's making a comeback. Is that right? Uh, when someone's coming back, you start cheering for them. When someone had the beginning of a season, just had a bad season, and then you see them catch on fire, and then they're hot towards like the playoffs, making a championship run, there's something in you that goes for that team because it makes it funner. You're emotionally led to cheer for that team. If you, if, uh, just to introduce this, if you're, if you're a football fan or if you ever watched football and you were into the NFL season this year, there were two amazing comeback stories. And you could probably scream them out because you know football so well, I'm sure. And the two stories were one of them was Adrian Peterson, if you remember football. Adrian Peterson, for you non-football lovers, I'm going to explain it to you real quick because I don't want to preach football to you today. I want to preach Jesus. Amen? That should have got a lot of amens because we preach Jesus. Watch it. Now, Adrian Peterson um, tore his ACL, and I don't even know what else. It was a mess. And um, they thought that he would never return the same. He had, I don't know how many surgeries. I mean, it was just a mess, Adrian Peterson's injury. Some players never could come back the same from what Adrian Peterson went through. I mean, it was bad what Adrian Peterson went through. Well, Adrian comes back into the NFL after training hard again. And as he returns, he almost breaks the record for most rushing yards in a season. I mean, he had a spectacular year. I would say that Adrian Peterson is a perfect example of a great comeback. As a matter of fact, if you know anything about Adrian Peterson, this year, after his comeback, he won the NFL MVP award. That was a big comeback. That was huge. I mean, Adrian Peterson led the team by himself. He was amazing. Another comeback story that happened this year in the NFL, if you, if you probably could scream his name, is Peyton Manning. Remember Peyton Manning? He used to play for the Colts. And Peyton Manning messed up some stuff in his neck. He, he, he had to have surgery, destroyed his neck. I think he had about three surgeries or maybe even more than three surgeries. I mean, it was a mess. They thought that Peyton Manning would, would never be the same again. They thought he would never be able to play again, move around the field again. How, how is he going to take another hit on the neck again and play without fear? But Peyton Manning comes back, and guess what happens to Peyton? He was also in the race with Adrian Peterson to win this year's NFL MVP. Great story. If I couldn't pick Adrian Peterson, my number two on the list would be Peyton Manning. Great comeback story. Destroys his neck. Plenty surgeries. Had not played for over, I want to say, 16 months, if I'm not confused. That's a lot for a football player. 16 months. Was questionable if he'd ever be the same again. But great comeback. Great year. Leads the Broncos to the playoffs, and they talk about NFL MVP, Peyton Manning. Two great comeback stories. I mean, we could get real, real, like, into your grill and talk about Rocky, right? I was tempted to show a Rocky clip, but everything in me said, no, I'm not going to show a Rocky clip. It's not going to happen, not this time. Because Rocky is the ultimate comeback story. I mean, sometimes I watch Rocky, and I get so mad because it's so fake. There is no way someone could take such a beating in that ring 
and then come back and win. That is ridiculous. It gets me mad. I don't know if any of you watch movies like I do. It just bothers me. Like, sometimes I just root against Rocky. Beat him up already. I know the ending, but it just bothers me. But he's a great comeback story, isn't he? Now, there's a bunch of them. As I was thinking about comebacks, please do not walk out of this church. Do not judge me. Love me. But I want to make a point. I was thinking of a comebacks, and I was thinking about who could I share, and I couldn't stop but to think of a certain individual. One who saw it and voiced it with a different tone. Let's, let's watch and listen really quick. Everyone look up here on the screen, and I'm going to show you guys a, a comeback. Not Nelly. Watch this, watch this. Come on, man. And with the local DBC news, Mama say knock you out. Come on, I'm gonna knock you out. Oh, y'all be cool. Alright, right, you can stop that. Amen. Praise God. Can you give God some praise? Not LL, okay? Don't, 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 no, not LL. Why'd I put LL Cool J? I just wanted to throw a, a curveball here in church today, kind of get your attention. But LL Cool J had a weird way of looking at this. LL Cool J, I wouldn't say I totally agree with LL Cool J. I probably wouldn't even ask LL Cool J to come and be a guest speaker here at New Life. I would tell him to come and visit us. Um, but try not to grab the mic. Just sit down, get front row, and we'll love and honor you and love to, for you to be here and, and, and know Jesus. But he probably does. Who knows? But LL Cool J sings this song, and it says, Mama said, knock you. And, and, and for you guys that, that were born early 80s, late 70s, know this song very well because you went... Um, to high school, probably middle school, elementary school, LL Cool J was back in style with tight jeans and with, tucked into your, to your, to your shoes. Uh, and then you would sing this song, Mama said, knock you out. Uh, I'm going to knock you out. Uh. And there was something about you that thought you were tough. And here's LL Cool J. And he says, don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. I'm tr- help me. I'm trying, I'm trying to talk in slang here. I've been here for years, rocking my peers and putting suckers in fear, making the tears rain down like a monsoon. Listen to the bass go boom. Explosion, overpowering. He forgets a lot of G's. I don't know what's going on. Over the competition, I'm towering. No, not towering. Towering. Wrecking shop when I drop these lyrics that'll make you call the cops. Why? You're going to kill someone? All right. Don't you dare stare, you better, you better move. Don't ever compare me to the rest that'll all get sliced and diced. Competition's paying the price. And church, we all say, mama said, knock you out. I'm going to knock you out. Although Kuja had a distinct way of looking at comebacks. As a matter of fact, he says, don't even call it a comeback. I've been here for years. I've been rocking my peers and putting suckers in fear. I want the church to catch that spirit. I'm tired of Satan's. I'm not saying that Elohim is from Satan, but watch this. I'm tired of the enemy huffing and puffing and blowing on Christians like he's tougher than us. How many of you are tired of that? 
Like, I'm tired of that. So I, want, I, want, I, want to, I know I'm preaching on comeback, but I want to stand before the enemy and before the persecutors and say, don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years rocking my peers and putting suckers in fear and then just looking at the enemy in the face. And say, I'm going to knock you out. And, and Papa said, knock you out. And that's what I'm talking about today. Mama don't have to tell me, knock you out. And, and if we could only catch that spirit, man. If we could only catch that attitude of, of, of just knocking it out of the park, of just coming back, of just, of just being this individual. You know what? If you read the Bible, you will notice that it is filled with comeback stories. I mean, it is filled. And maybe throughout the weeks, we're going to talk about some of them. Individuals that were successful, and then they hit this thing that you and I might call rock bottom to later find themselves pushing forward and reaching and even excelling maybe to their former position. And, and it's all over the Bible, all over Scripture. And the truth is that today I pray and I also believe that for you, I believe this, that in the next few weeks that you, if you are in need of a comeback, that you will be able to come back. I, I really hope so. I really pray that you do. And it can be done. If you're taking notes, you should write this down. Ready? It can be done. Stop writing can't and won't and I don't. Stop writing question marks on your notes and begin to write exclamation, exclamation points and say, it can happen to me. Amen, church. It can be done. And it can be done as soon as we change our hearts and we change the way we think. We change our emotions and our will. It could be done. I'm going to make some points today that I hope that you can take home today and change your week and change your life. You know that the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 23, 7, it says this, and you already know which verse I'm going to say as soon as I start it. For as a man thinks in his heart, so what? So is he. So is he. This could be done. If we just change the way we think, if we change our emotions and our will, if you can't think better of or think better for yourself, think about this, church. How will you ever become better? How will you ever become better? Never. If you stay home with the lights dim and the covers over your head, singing the same sad story, you ain't getting anywhere, church. Are you with me? Man, I'm looking at some faces today. I don't even know if you're listening today. But you're not going to get nowhere like that. But if you turn on the lights and you kick the sheets off you and you look at the mirror and you say, I'm going to change my attitude about today. I'm going to change how I feel emotionally. I'm going to change this will that's in me because for a man thinks so is he. I think and I could see myself better in this area and I won't stop until I become better in this area. Don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. And we look at our lives, and as we introduce our series, that's what today is, and I'm sorry if you're visiting, but today is more of an introduction. The importance of surrounding ourselves with the right people is something that you should take notice. So many Christians don't get to where they need to be because of the influences that are around them day in and day out. They surround themselves with the wrong influences. And then they want to know, well, how come I'm not there yet? Well, maybe you're not there because the people that are around you, they're not doing anything positive for you but bringing you down. 
And the first thing I want to share with you is, is, is surround yourself, number one, with the right people. You have to. Surround yourself with the right people. And then number two, it's this. Do not step into circumstances that you know you will regret in the future. Ever been there? Church, ever been there? Something arises, an opportunity knocks at your door, and there's something in your spirit that says, no, stay out, warning, warning, red lights are flashing. And you're like, I'm just going to ignore all the warning signs. And you step into a circumstance which you know, what do you mean? A relationship, a job, a, a friendship, whatever it might be. But number two, you step into something that you know you will regret. How is that going to help us? Number three, number three, bad habits. Can we be honest here? How many of us have bad habits? I know I do. Bad habits, man. What are your bad, don't not say them. <laughs> but what are your bad habits? Think them. What are your bad habits? Well, why are you asking us to think about our bad habits? Because number three is this. These bad habits that have you down. Can, can, can you practice something this week, guys? I'm talking about a comeback. How are you going to come back with bad habits? This is what I want you to do. I want you to build good habits on top of the bad habits. Build good habits. And as you build good habits on top of these bad habits, watch and see how the good ones drown out the bad ones. Hey, number three, can you change some habits in your life? I'm not even going to get detailed on what some of our habits could be. Because I know I got a few in my list. Amen. Amen. What number are we on? Number four, I guess. Here's my last little thing before I continue in the word. I wrote this down for you. Do things. Think things. And begin to live out with a goal in mind. With these things in mind. And what's this goal that you have in mind? Here it is. Ready? I can come back. I can. On, um, on Wednesday, we had an awesome Bible study. If you missed it, man, you missed it. But I talked about a relationship that I know and how it's crumbling. But I could look at that individual and say, do you believe that there's a comeback for your relationship? I wonder how he would answer it. No, there's no chance. That person already lost. There's no chance. I'm not sure. You might as well just quit. But the person says, I'm going to fight in this ring with everything I have for this relationship. I know there's a comeback. For my relationship. I look at that person and say, you're going to get it because there's a fighter in you. In 1 Corinthians 15.33, I'm going to read a scripture. As I read the scripture, I need you to think about influences in your life. Very important as we read the scripture because as we look at this passage, man, I would say about a year back, I talked about the five people in your life. In my phone, I left it up here so I could show you something. I go to my phone, and on my phone, there's a little part that says favorites. If you have an iPhone, you can be kind of familiar with that. And you click on favorites. Wow. And I promise you, this was not on purpose. But if you look at my phone, well, me, before even planning this message, I just looked at it right now. One, two, three. I want to make sure I don't feel dumb. One, two, three, four. Huh? I have five people on my phone. Five people. It just so happened that five people were on my favorites. And I look at this. And you know, as I look at these five people, I could truly say these are the people that most influenced me in my life. Can you do that today? Can you look at the five people that, can I, can I just share the list with you? Watch this. Number one, my wife. 
Wifey, I call her. Sorry. Number two, well, this is not in order, guys, because it would be all changed. I put my sister's name down, Anika. I put her as Annie, A-N-I. I hope she listens to this. That would be nice. Number three, I put my brother-in-law, Pastor Leo. Number three, not that he's the third person. Number four, not that he's the fourth person, my father. I put his name here. He's, he's as dad. And then I put number five, I call her Mom Dukes. That's my mama. She's my, on my fifth one. I look at this list and I say, you know what? This is probably the five people that influenced me the most in my life. No lie. No lie whatsoever. Because when I cry, guess who I cry to? One of these five people. I promise you, this is who I cry to. When I'm down and out, guess who's praying for me? These five people. Hey, when everyone's saying, Rigo, you really stink, man. These five people are opening up my hands and say, you don't stink, son. You don't stink, brother. You don't stink, husband. Keep doing what you're doing. We're here for you and we love you. These are the five most influences in my life. You know what I've realized? These are the five people that when the whole world crumbles and, back and, and turns their back, these are the five people that will probably stay there fighting with me. Right here. I promise you. I want you guys to do something as we get into today's message. Who are those five people on your list? Who are the five people that influence you? Because the top five people in your life that you decide to put in that, in your life, are the ones who lead and influence you the most. In 1 Corinthians, if you're taking notes, write this down, says this. In chapter 15, verse 33, awesome scripture. And it says this, 1 Corinthians 15, 33. It says, do not be misled. Another translation says, do not be fooled. Another one says, do not be deceived. And look what it says next. Bad company corrupts what, church? Yeah, good character. Do not be misled. Do not be fooled. Do not be deceived. Bad company. Hey, but I'm a good person, Pastor Rico. But, but I have good habits. But, but I, I have my things in order. Well, that's good. But if you put bad company, it will corrupt good character. Promise you that. The life of one who makes a comeback, looks at these people around them, sees how they get fed, and sees what, who they allow to pour into their lives. The life of one who wants to make a comeback. Check this out. I wrote some things down. It's like a boxer. It's like a fighter. Watch this. It is one who is, and write this down in your notes, is disciplined, church. We talked about discipline before, and I'm not even going to break down discipline today. But it's disciplined. One who wants to make a comeback not only is disciplined. Let me explain to you about the discipline. Their discipline intensifies. You know what I'm saying? For example, when a boxer loses and he says, well, I'm coming back and I'm going to rematch. You know what that boxer does? He doesn't stay home watching HBO when he's Cheetos till late at night. That boxer, guess what he does? He refrains from his wife for a period of time. Did you know that? That's how disciplined he is. Some of us husbands are like, chill with that. Okay? Now, not only does he refrain from that, but check this out. He eats right. He's running. I mean, he's running on sand, on water, on concrete. I mean, this dude is getting ripped. This guy is no joke. Why? Because he wants to make a comeback. And this guy that wants to make a comeback, his training intensifies. It changes. Listen. His thoughts are adjusted. He changes the way he thinks changes it completely i can't think the way i think about food i can't think about the way about i think a way about training his thoughts change his emotions that are not controlled i gotta control my emotions you know what else has changed about a fighter who comes back for a comeback listen up his close friends are even evaluated his close friends i gotta stop hanging out with them as i train because they're gonna bring me down his whole perspective is shifted, and it's now driven, and he has one objective in mind. Here it is. Here it is. 
If you don't believe me, ask any fighter that you know. And their objective is this. Fight, push, drive, return. Not even return. Man, why not even excel? Excel to the former position I was once in. I'm not only going to win this fight, I'm going to become the heavyweight champion of the world. How many of you need to work on these things? And while we do this, there is one in our corner cheering us on, yelling out instructions as a trainer does a boxer while he's in the ring. And his name is none other than Jesus. The Lord our God is in our corner. And he's making this comeback happen. He's cheering us on, church. He's strengthening us. And he's doing something that is so amazing that we don't deserve. Watch this. He's giving us grace to do it. Our coach, our Christ, is in the corner saying, you can do it, Melly. You can do it, George. Betsy, you can do it. And you look at it and says, I'm coming back because he believes in me. And as I get into today's message and as you write down some verses, I'm going to go verse by verse with you. Not only is Jesus coaching us in the corner and filling us, but to some of us, not only is he crying, he could, you could do it, but watch what he's calling. Write this down in your notes. He's saying this to you. Ready? He's saying this to me and maybe to some of us in this room. Your comeback, write this down. And this maybe is what Jesus is telling us. Your comeback, your comeback is in your coming back. And I'm going to explain that to you. The reason why I wanted to start off this series in this manner is this. Because if we're going to call it a comeback, there is no way that we could call anything a comeback if we ourselves are not coming to Jesus. The only way that we could ever call anything in our lives a comeback is if we live a life that always what? Comes back to him. You've ever met someone that has failed miserably? Miserably? Sinned? Miserably, at least in their thoughts, in their eyes? So I, I can never go back to church. I can never read again. I can never pray again. And what is always your advice to them? Just what? Just come back. We are not going to judge you. No one in the church is even going to say nothing. You're going to see that all they're going to do is going to love you. They're just going to hug you and say they missed you. And then you always say this, just what, church? Just come back. And, and, and the reason why I started this with this is because you need to realize that to, in order to come back, we first need to come back. In Isaiah, if you're taking notes, chapter 44, verse 22, I'm going to read this to you. Here is God speaking to the prophet, speaking to his people. And look what he tells the prophet in Isaiah 44, 22. He says, I have blotted out your transgressions like a cloud and your sins like a mist. I love that. And look what he says next. Everyone, can you say those three words with me? Return to me. For I have indeed what? I have redeemed you. I love this because he, he's telling the people, his people, he says, he says, your transgressions and your sin, they're blotted out. Your, your, your sins are like a mist. They're like a cloud gone. But then he cries out his heart to them. And look what he says. Return to me, church. He says, return to me, for I have redeemed you. I love how one study Bible says it. He talks about this cloud and this mist. And, and, and just, church, I need you to catch this because some of us don't understand God's grace. God is not a God that is in his throne with a whip ready to whip you on your behind because you've done wrong. 
But God, it is in his throne cheering you on, saying, just come back. Just come back. I have not forgotten you. I have not left you. I have not turned my back on you. I am not sending you to hell. My grace is sufficient for you. I have enough grace, even for this mess up. I'm here for you. And we look at grace, and we look at God without a grace, and we got to understand that, yes, God is also a God of grace. And I love how, how this translation or uh, study Bible puts it. He says, before God's grace, sin fades away to nothing. I love that because I have sin. Anyone in here has sin? No? Because the Bible says, I have blotted them out. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. You know what the Lord is doing here? He's re-reminding them of one thing. I've already forgiven you. Get back over here and stop hanging out in the dump. I see you sinning, but get back. Get back. Watch what he says. Not because I will redeem you again, but because I have already what? I've already done it. But how many people live in the dump saying, God will never forgive me again. And God is saying, what do you mean I will never forgive you again? I have already forgiven you before you even ask. And, and this is a grace that you and I can't and won't understand. And then he says this. He says, when he says, return to me, for I have redeemed you, watch what it says. Repentance is motivated by grace. Because I've experienced a grace from God, it has moved me to do nothing else but to repent unto God. Hey, I'm making a comeback. How, how do you do it, Regal? How do you come back, even through your mess-ups, even through your failures? How do you do it? And I could only answer you with one way. The way that I come back to repentance is because I've experienced his grace. And there's no other way that I would be able to come back if I had not first received from my God. Guys, we've got to get this Bible the right way, and the right way it's being taught into our hearts. Phil preached a great message last week. I don't know if you even heard that. That's what I'm talking about here. He has forgiven us. Romans chapter 2 verse 4, it tells us this. It tells us that God's kindness, listen to this. This is good scripture, man. We're, we're just reading the Bible together. That's what we do here. But I thought you were going to preach. I'm not going to preach to you. I'm just going to read to you. It says here, God's kindness is meant to lead you. To what? What is it going to lead me to? God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. What? That's an awesome verse. You should memorize that verse, man. God's kindness is meant to lead me to repentance. And Jesus is like, absolutely, man. Come back. Can we just read some more scriptures? Just say, go ahead, if so I can know you're with me. All right, good, good. Let's go to Zechariah uh, chapter 1. If you could turn there with me. Here's the Lord speaking to his people again. And, and just watch, watch this. In Zechariah chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Can you just notice what he's saying here? Look at his words. He says, Zechariah, tell the people this. Ready? Tell the people this. Everyone with me? He says, therefore, say to the people. You know what he's saying there? Say to my people. Say to my people. Before we keep reading, how many of you are God's people? I hope everyone here is. So watch what he tells Zechariah. Zechariah, say to my people. Watch this. This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. And watch what he says next. Say it with me, church. Return to me. Oh, Pastor Rico, I want to come back. And Jesus is like, you want to come back? Then come back. Come back to come back. 
He says, return to me. Come back to me. And look what he says after the comma. And I will what? Return to you. Doesn't scripture in the New Testament say what? Draw your heart near to me. And I will what? Draw near to you. Are you guys with me? I mean, it's all over the scripture that Jesus' heart to his lost people is, come back. But you know what I started to realize as I started to study scripture? It's not only to the lost people. It's also to the found people that have found a place in their walk that has just been consistent. And consistency is good. It really is good. I'd rather you be consistent than just not be anything at all. Stay consistent. I'm not bashing your consistency. But I just stay consistent to be who they are. And there is no elevation in your walk with the Lord. And I, and I started to read and study the scripture. And I said, this is not just for the lost people. But the Lord might be even telling us to come back to this love. The song he sang. And he says, and I will return to you. Look at verse 4. Don't be like your ancestors. Who? My fathers. Watch what he says now about the fathers of the people of Israel. Watch this. Who would not listen and who would not pay attention when the earlier prophet said to them. You know what he's saying here before we keep reading? Don't be like your ancestors who would not what? Come back. They wouldn't come back. You know anyone in the walk that has been serving God? They left what us Christians have um, titled it, because it's not even in the Bible, backslidden. <laughs> you ever heard that word? This is what he's telling the people. He says, don't be like them who have never come back to me. And who would not come back after I spoke to them. And then he says this. This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Watch what he says next. Turn. You see that responsibility? Human responsibility there? Wait, there's a grace. Wait a minute. There's a, there's a call on my life. But then there's a responsibility to all Christians. And it's to what? Turn. Act out. Live out. From what? From your evil ways. And look what he says next. Stop all your what? Evil practices. You want to know, don't get so caught up in the evil, evil. Man, Pastor, why are you calling us evil? I'm not calling you evil. I'm just letting you see the heart of God. What is the heart of God here? Come back. Come back. You want to come back? You got to come back. Let's keep reading scripture. In Joel chapter 2 verse 12 says this. Yet even now declares the Lord. Here he is talking to his people again. Re, say it with me, church. Return to me. With all of your heart. You know what the Lord is saying there? Come back to me with all of your heart. With fasting and with weeping and with mourning. Come back. Let's keep going here. If you skip, 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 skip a couple verses. Go to verse 25 in the same chapter of Joel. Chapter 2, 25. Watch what he says next. He says, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. Wow, the hopper, the destroyer and the cutter. My great army which I sent among you. <laughs> Do you want to see this? He's telling the, the, the children of Israel. He says, because of your lack of coming back, I've sent plagues against you. And I've sent things to deal with your sin. But because I have so much grace and so much love for you, if you just come back, I will restore to you everything that you lost. That's good. 
Because that means to me that I have hope. That means that marriages have hope, that relationships have hope, that my ministry has hope, that everything that I have in Christ has hope. Because Jesus says, I will restore you, Regal, all the years of your life that you've lost. I will repay it. I will give it back to you, everything that I sent among you. And I could stand before the presence of God and I could say, I'm making a comeback, man. I'm coming back because I have a coach and I have a voice that's in the corner that doesn't want anything else in my life but for me to come back. He's not saying, well, Regal, you can't do it. Regal, I doubt it. You're probably going to fail again. Regal, you're probably going to mess up again. You're probably going to sleep in and not pray and not read the Bible like you just said. Hey, Regal, you're going to try to fast and you're going to mess up on your fast and you're going you're you're to mess it all up. You can't even fast for me. But that's not what Jesus says. Jesus is in the corner and he's saying a total different thing because that's the voice of of Satan. Jesus' voice says, you can do it, and I will restore you, and my grace is sufficient, and there is hope in me, and I have saved you, and I have redeemed you, and you can notice everything positive that comes out of the mouth of God, when the other corner, it's everything that is negative, and my voice to you is this, are you going to make a comeback, but I haven't gone anywhere, okay, but are you going to get to a place that's even greater to where you're standing today? Because if you're satisfied with where you're at today, listen, you are at the most dangerous place that you could be at. Never should we be satisfied. We should always want more of Jesus. Because I'm not enough where I'm at, man. I need more of him. And I need a comeback in my spirit. And I hear the coach in the corner. I see the blood that is shed. And I see the body that was bruised. And I hear the voice that cries out for me, my redeemed, I love you. And I could look at him and say, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. Man, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. The Lord is speaking to his people again, and then I'm going to end with a scripture. And he says this, O Israel, come on. Wow. O Israel. O Israel. I mean, am I the only one that reads this and really says, he really means this coming back stuff. He really means it. Like, like I'm, I'm making sure that you guys can see it from back here. That's the only reason I'm standing here. But like, O Israel, come back to me. I mean, when you see that verse right there, do you see the heart of God? It does not say, oh, Israel, you really stink right now. That's the enemy's voice. Oh, Israel, you're going to mess it all up again. Never. Never does Jesus say that. Never does God say that. Oh, Israel, you are the biggest mess up that I've ever created. I don't see that in Scripture. I don't see that at all. As a matter of fact, I see only one thing. Oh, Israel, what? Come back to me. Come back. The next five weeks are going to blow your mind. I know it because I know that inside this church, there's some people in here that have a fight in them, have a zeal, have a drive, have a passion. And this whole comeback thing is never going to be the same. Whenever you hear come back, something's going to happen to you. Something's going to happen to you every time you hear that. Man, I know it for a fact. And then he says this. He says, if you will throw away your, I love that word, I don't know why, detestable idols, And you go astray no more. Look what he says. Do not go again. Come back. Look what he says, verse 2. 
And if you will swear by my name alone, you can't swear, well, in this instance you can. And begin to live good. Begin to live good. You guys see the change of thoughts, of emotions, of will? Begin to change the way you think, the way you live, the way you act. Watch this. If you begin to live honest lives, watch this, and you begin to uphold justice, and then I love this part. This is, if you look at my notes, I literally bolded this part, equivalent to highlighting this part. I highlighted this part in my notes. Watch what he says next. Ready? If you, if you do the, oh, Israel, just come back to me. If you, if you come back to me, look at the comma, then, then, then when, when you come back, then you will be a blessing to the nations of this world. This is good scripture, man. Then you will be a blessing to the nations. And all the people will what? Will come back. Will come back and praise my name. You know, when I read that scripture, it freaked me out. Because watch what I just read there. Regal, I'm waiting for you to come back so that others can come back. But until you don't come back, others will not come back. And I look at that and say, well, why? He says, because I have some vessels of honor and some of dishonor, and I've called you as a vessel of honor. Get on track already. Come back, because there's some others that I need to reach through you, and I need them back. Come back so that others could come back. That's what this verse shows me. And that is freaky if you believe that. Because the Bible says, hey, that's cool, man. Thanks for highlighting that. But, but the Bible is very clear. He says, then you will become a blessing to the nations, and all people will then what? Come and praise my name. They will come back. Look at verse 1. Oh, Israel, if only what? If only you come back. But I want my husband. Just come back. But I want my child. Just come back. But I want my friends. Just come back. And look at the promise that is there. Sometimes we don't see it that way. I hope you're, getting, hope you're being blessed by the word of God today. I'm going to end. Actually, I'm going to end with a song. I'm not going to sing it. Because <laughs> then this whole service will go to nothing. But I'm going to end with a parable that you know so well. So, I mean, so well. Watch this. Which parable do you think I'm going to go to? Watch how much you know it. <laughs> Told you you guys knew it. But sometimes, George, we just got to be reminded of stuff that is said in the scriptures. Because we just seem to forget. Anyone like me? Go, go to Luke 15 with me. Parable of the lost son, since all of you already knew where I was going to go. And watch this, guys. Today is just the introduction. I hope you can make a commitment to yourself and say, I'm going to be here. Regal for every single week. I'm not missing one comeback message. I will be here. Watch this. So Jesus tells his disciples a story. And look at the story he tells his disciples. He says this, a man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want a share of your estate. I want what belongs to me, my inheritance. I want it now before you die. So his father agreed. Let me explain to you. The father there is symbolic for God. The son there is symbolic for you and I. Watch this. Lord, I want what's mine. Lord is a gentleman. The Lord says, all right. All right. I really had another plan, but all right. You want to put your hand in my plans? All right. And he kind of says, all right, watch. I'm going to step back. Just here you go. So, so the father says, it says, his father agreed to divide his wealth between his two sons. Watch this. Okay, next verse. A few days later, this younger son packed up all his belongings, packed his bags, and he moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. Love that, wild living. That's crazy. About the time 
His money ran out. A great famine swept over the land. And he began to starve. Look at 15. And he persuaded a local farmer, can you please hire me? So the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. You want to be hired? I'll, I'll pay you. Just go every day and feed my pigs. Nasty job. Verse 16. Then the young man became so hungry. I don't have enough money to buy me food. So since I'm feeding the pigs, he looked one day at the food that he was once feeding the pigs with. And he says, oh my God, I'm so hungry. That it says that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. Have you ever been so hungry that the food that you least would eat looks good to you because of how hungry you are? Huh? Ever been there? I don't know if you've ever been that hungry. But he's looking at pig food. And he says, my God, I'm so hungry. This looks good. And look what happens next. But no one gave him anything, anything to eat. Next verse. When he finally came to his senses, when he finally came to his right mindset, watch this. Man, this is good right here because I don't know if you caught this. When he finally changes the way he thinks. Listen, if you can't see yourself better, you're never going to get better. You tell me how much worse can it get. You hang out and sleep with some pigs. They smell. And their doo-doo smells bad. And their food even smells. You eat some of the pig food. One day he was in the pig's pen and he looked around. He says, what in the world am I doing here? The Bible says he woke up. He came to his senses. Let me tell you what happens here. He began to think properly. You know what? One of the things that the enemy does is he changes the way you think about yourself. He literally will come into your mind. And say, brother, you really don't think that God could use you like that guy, do you? You must be crazy. The enemy does that. He literally comes up to your mind and he says, sister, you really don't think that you're blessing people by singing, do you? Brother, you really don't think anyone received anything from that preaching, do you? He begins to whisper things like that to your ear. The enemy does that. And you start believing it. And then you start eating with pigs. <laughs> like, what happened to me? And God's looking at you, and he's like, I don't know, because I didn't call you to live like that. And you look at him, so what happened to me? And he says, you started listening to the wrong influences. And when you start listening to the wrong influences, you miss out on the right things. Because you listen to the wrong people. too many Christians that are sleeping in pig pens and that was never the way God wanted it. You think that God really wants you to sleep in a pig pen? If you're here today and you're saying, well, this is my mission field. This is what God has called me for. You're lying to yourself. God did not call you to sleep in a pig pen at all. The Bible says he's changing Thoughts began to change. And then it says this, he came to his senses. And then he said to himself, sometimes you just got to prophesy to yourself. You know what I mean? <laughs> sometimes you just got to quote scripture to yourself. Sometimes you just got to memorize some stuff. And look what he says to himself. At home where my dad is, where I, where I used to be, that I left. Okay, notice that where I left, the servants have... Food enough to spare. 
And here I am, the son of a king. The son of a king. And I am dying of what? Come on, come on, listen, listen. I'm not preaching prosperity today. But watch what I'm preaching. Do you think that God has really called you to die of hunger? You think that? Spiritually, you think that? Well, this is the valley that God has me in. No, no, no. This is the valley that you have yourself in. Don't blame things on God. I, I, you know how many times I meet with people and I just look at them and say, no. God does not. You put yourself in that valley. You made the decision to be there. You made the decision to date that guy. You made the decision to marry that person. You made the decision to get that job. You made the decision to live that life. You made the decision to get that car. You made the decision to waste that money. You made the decision. Don't blame God because of the valley you're in. And right here in this scripture, he says, I'm dying of hunger. Come on, man. You think the heart of God's like, yes. I'm going to use you now. It's not God's heart. Because I just read, you know why I saved this for last? Because I just read a whole bunch of other scriptures before that God's heart was always saying what? Come back. Not stay there. Come back. I will go home. Can we change the wordage? I know you're not supposed to and all that, but can we change that? I will. You want to cheat? Want a little cheat sheet? A little help? Hint? I will come back. I will come back. I will go home to my father. I will come back to my father and I will say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. And I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me as one of your hired servants. I love this. And then he says, so he returned home. He came back home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, he was running home. You could almost see it. His father sees him coming back. Who do you think gave you your heart? Who do you think gave you your will, your emotions, your thoughts? Your father in heaven. So when he sees his child coming back, he already knows it. No one has to alert him. He says, yes, yes, he's coming back. He's coming back. Why? Because I put that thought in him. I put those emotions in him. I put that will in him. And look what it says here. It says, when the father saw him coming back. He was filled with love and compassion. Hey, you guys think God wants you to come back? Absolutely. Why? Why would God want me to come back? Because he's filled with love and compassion. It says that he ran to his son. He embraced his son and he kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And then look what his father does. His father calls the servant and he says, quick, hurry, bring the finest clothes, the finest robe. Put it on my son. Get a ring. And put it on his fingers. Put some sandals on his feet. He was naked. Naked, this kid. And then he says this. And kill the calf that we've been fattening. We've been preparing for a feast. In these days, they would grab a calf and they would feed it and feed it and feed it to get it fat and fat and fat and fat. So when the day came to celebrate, there was a lot of meat to go around for everyone. So look what he says. The day has come. Can I stop? Because no one sees the scripture like this. Do you want to know what that means? God already foreknew and saw you coming back. You want to know how he knew? Because he was already preparing the cow for you before you even thought about it. Wow, come on, let's think about that, man. That's big, bro. Let me tell you why that's big. He was preparing a cow in his outhouse, feeding that thing, and that thing was getting plump. And everyone's looking at the king and says, why are you doing that? Are you crazy? 
And the king says, you'll see, one day we're going to need it. Are you crazy? Why are you getting that cow fat, man? Let's eat it. I'm preparing it for a special day. Are you nuts? No day is ever going to happen like that. And the father's like, just watch. My son is lost. You'll see. He'll come back. And one day out of the blue, his son comes back. And he says, hey, uh, servant, how's the cow look? He says, sir, that cow is the fattest it's ever been. He says, remember how you kept judging me and you kept thinking things about me? And you said, why am I getting that cow fat? He says, here's your secret. Ready? This is why. Look at the field. Look who's running. He says, who, you crazy person? So the servant gets up, looks and says, no way. And he says, absolutely way. Watch this. My son's coming back. My son's coming back. And you know what the servant just did right there? Oh, my God, this guy is way freaky. Let me explain this to you. Christ is cheering for you to come back because he knows in you there is a comeback. Today, he's preparing the cow because he knows that if you're his, you can't do anything but come back to your father. And the cow's being ready to start the feast. Hey, are you a son or daughter? Watch this. Come back. Watch the cow that's going to be served. I should have named this message, Holy Cow. I should have named it that. Can you change that? Holy Cow's name of the message. Holy Cow. You want to know why Holy Cow? Because I believe when the servant saw the field and said, oh my goodness, he really is coming back. He looked at the father and says, Holy Cow. And the father says, absolutely, go get the Holy Cow and bring it over here. We're going to have a party today. There's a comeback, church. And the comeback is for you. Can you come back? to come back. Come on. You're going to walk out of here and blame things on people again? You're going to walk out of here and blame things on people? You're going to come walk out of here? Just, can you put the blame on yourself already and say, I'm coming back, man. I'm coming back, for goodness sakes. Hey, listen, I know I suck, and I know the person next to you sucks, and I know everyone else in this place sucks, but I promise you one thing. Jesus does not. He is faithful. He is able, and he is preparing that cow for you. You got to believe that. Wow, so we must celebrate with a feast. And I end with 24. For this son of mine was dead, and he has now returned to life. He was lost, and now he is found. So the party, what? The party began. I love it. The party began. I'm done with today's message. You can stop the recording, but we're going to play the video really quick. As we close off in prayer today.